1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank... Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like uh... Whatever. How- uh, the Bucks lose 111 to the Boston Celtics. Giannis Dedekumo goes for 40 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 assists in 39 minutes played. Chris Middleton plays 41 minutes, scores 19 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, also records 2 steals. Eric Bledsoe, 18 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists and 34 minutes. And then Tony Snell also with 39 minutes, which is always nice. 11 points for him, 3 of 4, 3-point shooting. Uh, the Bucs get outscored 34-26 to 26 in the first quarter. Um, and we see the defense we saw before they decided to make some alterations in in the last game, or excuse me, in the last week, where they, the last three games they had played a more conservative defense and done a little bit more switching and not blitzed as many uh, pick-and-rolls as they had it in the past. And um, Funny enough, uh, Kevin O'Connor wrote an article today that said they didn't do that and then posted a question on Twitter tonight asking if they had gone to the scheme that they've been running for the last three games, which I thought was strange. Um so, pretty much everyone would admit that the Bucks were running a, a different scheme for the last three games. And, and, may, and again, like we said last night, maybe I shouldn't say different. Maybe I should say a scheme with some alterations. Whatever it may be that would get someone in the organization to admit they were doing something different, I will phrase it that way. Um, but they did something different in the last three games, and tonight they decided in the first quarter not to do that. Uh, blitzed five or six Kyrie Irving pick and rolls, and guess what? Everyone on the Boston Celtics got in the flow. They got they got touches early, and they got it going. Jason Tatum, four for four from the three-point line to start, which is something considering he didn't score much the rest of the game. Uh, he didn't, d- hit
0: a, didn't hit a shot the rest of the game.
1: Didn't really do much of anything the rest of the game. But that first quarter, he sure looked good. Um, so... I don't know. Like I said, my whatever to open is is kind of where where my head is at because I just can't comprehend having the success that they did for the last three games. And again, I understand you're playing the Blazers, you're playing the Kings. That might not be indicative of the success you might be able to have against the Boston Celtics. But at least give me the courtesy of trying that in the first quarter. Like you don't want
0: to see you don't want to see John Henson. 30 feet from the hoop, like doubling a guy who can easily, you know, pass around him. You don't want to see that? No,
1: I, I, I do not have a lot of interest in seeing that because I've seen it. Uh, it, it tends not to work. Um, so I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just, I, I'm lost. I'm confused. I, I simply don't get it.
0: Well, I mean, this is, you know, like th- this is the ultimate Jason kid move, right? Like if you guys hadn't asked him about changing, what they were doing defensively. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he wouldn't have done what he did tonight, but it's spite. almost like it's, it's almost, you know, it's almost like he was saying, you know what? All you guys who think we changed, well, watch this. <laughs> I'm, I'm blitzing the F out of the the Celtics. Why? Cause F you, that's why. But actually, it's F you, Jason, because you're the coach of the team, and you just let your team get shredded. So
1: It's like the um, Seinfeld episode was- where they're like, why are you returning this jacket? And Jerry says, spite. I'm returning it out of spite. <laughs> and then they say, no, you can't return something out of spite. And he said, okay, well, I didn't like it. And they said, no, it was already spite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine another answer to that question for uh... why you go back to that scheme after the success you had in those first th- yeah, in those I mean, three games. It's-
0: and it's like, look, you know, if you're going to occasionally like blitz the blitz, uh, you know, the the point guard as like a change of pace because they're not sure. expecting it or something sure. like that. You know, I mean, they, they, there's reasons to do that. Right. And, and I think, you know, like this is one of those things. It's just you're doing it and you're doing it right from the start. And you, they did it, you know, repeatedly early in the game. And I mean, it could not have worked worse, uh, work more poorly than, than it did. And, um, you know, the, they, they backed off of that really a lot as the game went on. They played small for the vast majority of the second half and, um, the Boston Celtics hit one out of five, three pointers in the second half of this game. Only problem is they had nine out of seventeen in the first half. Yeah, built their thirteen point lead, and you know the Bucks were plus two in the second half. But you know, obviously, for the vast majority of this game, they just they just could not get over the hump. They got it to eight. I think they got it to seven. I think it was ninety-one eighty-four at one point, but just never could get over the hump. They had a couple chances to get it to five or six points. Malcolm Brogdon had a great look at an open three that would have made it five midway through the fourth quarter. And the shame is that the guy we haven't mentioned at all. Giannis is that it could well no you mentioned you mentioned Giannis goes for forty um fourteen out of twenty four shooting twelve out of fourteen from the line nine boards four assists um I think demonstrative of a team that manipulated the Bucks defense Giannis had neither a steal nor a block um I feel like that's uh, symptomatic of every frustrating Bucks game is when uh, Giannis is is basically not able to get anywhere near the ball because teams just move the ball around so well and and basically don't give them a chance to really uh, let Giannis use um, his abilities. That happened against Utah, and I think it might have happened another time before that. Um, But anyway, yeah, it was um, a frustrating game, obviously, because, as you said, I mean, Giannis goes for 40 and 39 minutes. He looked gassed for large stretches of the fourth (laughs) quarter when he hadn't – I think he played, what, 17 or 18 straight minutes? Yeah. start the second half finally got a blow
1: yeah it gets a blow from five minutes to three minutes in the fourth quarter
0: right but um uh, you know and and as you said I mean Middleton and Bledsoe also scored efficiently Bledsoe took a while to get going I don't don't, what did he have like two points in the first half or something four points at the half
1: 14 in in the second.
0: second Finishes with with 18 on on just nine shots, but um, certainly the depth, uh, you know, and, and the support question was was a, a major problem for the Bucks tonight. And you know, be, but beyond that, I mean, offensively, sure, the Bucks weren't lights out, but you know, they put up 108 points per 100 against a Celtics defense that has been the best in the league by far. Um, you should be happy with 108 points per 100. I mean, that that should give you a, a fighting chance to beat the Celtics uh, even on their home court. But unfortunately tonight, um, you know, the defense. Early on, I think we just talked at length about some of the problems they had. Uh, and in the fourth quarter as well, I mean, it wasn't the same problem. Um, they were small. Giannis was playing center. And we had, I think we saw Chris Middleton at center <laughs> briefly. Um, and they just looked tired. To be honest, I mean, they just looked tired. Um, they they weren't you know consistently icing guys. They weren't consistently sending guys to kind of the, you know, I think uh, Nate Duncan noted that you could hear, I think, uh, I think he said that you could weak, hear weak, the weak. bench yelling weak when, when Marcus Smart had the ball, which is to, to try to basically send him to his left hand, and they couldn't even do that. And uh, Smart had, I think it was Smart through both of those alley-oops to Al Horford, or at least one of them. Um, you mentioned and, Nate. You know, Nate
1: brought up an even better question. If Chris Middleton and Giannis Adekumbo are your fives,
0: why are you switching? Why, why don't you? you
1: just switch it, right? Switch. Yeah. Like <laughs> that. Well, if they were playing the four, you would switch it. So, if they're playing the five, why not switch it? Because there, there, there's no one that's going to be there to cover the rim. It's just them. Like, And, and I understand you don't want to always put Giannis out on the island, and you certainly don't want to put Middleton out on the island a lot, but from what you were doing, like the, the percent chance of you playing a middle pick and roll like you normally play a middle pick and roll with Giannis or Chris at the five, the success rate is... 10 percent like just watching them with the gas legs like they didn't have a chance like there was no chance that they were going to stop that because there was just no deterrence at all um and and again like there there was just a a number of times where you ask these questions like why why and and I, i i struggled to to have good answers to those and you talked a little bit about how the Bucks just weren't able to like get over that hump, and I would assume the Celtics kind of just saw it as, okay, well, one of two things is going to happen here. Either they're going to have to take Giannis out at some point, or... He's going to get so gassed from playing 19 consecutive minutes in the second half that we'll be able to take advantage of him defensively. And by the time they took him out, that's what the Celtics were doing. They were like, okay, we're going to make sure Giannis is involved in every single one of our actions. And he just didn't have the legs at that point. Uh, So it it was just another night where... You, you do have a, a pretty sol- a pretty solid night offensively, defensively it's not really working as well, but there was just a, a total fear of going to the bench because you know there there really isn't anything there and you can't find success with those bench units. And we talked about it on Twitter where it was what? Smart Rogier, Tice, uh Morris Marcus, Morris. Morris and, Morris, and, Oglet. and Oglet. And they essentially ran the Bucks off the floor in those bench minutes, and again, that was with I think Brogdon and Middleton out there, maybe maybe it was someone else. Um, but either way, like, you had some of your starters in there, while they went a full bench mob, and their bench mob killed you. <laughs> that's sim- that's simply not acceptable.
0: Yeah, and yeah. again, I mean. Uh, You look at what the non Giannis Middleton Bledsoe Bucks did. uh, You mentioned Snell also shot the ball well. Um, You know, there was not uh, the fact that the Bucks went small and didn't play a center, that was not merely um, some sort of proactive thing from Jason Kidd. Um, His centers were 0 for 10 tonight. John Henson and Thon Maker just were complete zeros offensively, um, and obviously they they just struggled with with those guys on the court. They were both minus eight um, in in limited minutes, only twenty nine total minutes from from that duo um, tonight. And you know, again, I mean, especially with Henson, you know, this is kind of one of things. Like Henson has played probably above his head for quite some time. Yep. Uh, tonight, he played well below his head. I don't know. Six foot three, maybe uh, is what he played at tonight. Um, he struggled, and you know, you know that's that's going to happen. And I thought, and it was, I thought, I thought Boston did a great. I mean, defensively, you can you can see why the Celtics are are good defensively in the sense that, especially early in the game, I mean, you look at the Bucks shot chart. I mean, mid range jumper after mid range jumper, they were yep. just getting everyone really, but Giannis to settle for jump shots, and obviously, you know, some of the Bucks like Middleton, you know, can can still hurt you that way. <laughs> yeah. But um, but for the most part. Um, you know, just that shot chart was like, you know, straight out of like 1993, right? Damn. I mean, it was just like, oh God, I mean, they weren't shooting threes. They did that more as the game went on, but, um, but it was just tough to watch and, you know, credit to the Celtics, you know, the, they've obviously been very good defensively. Um, and you know, if not for the fact that Giannis was just, I mean, Al Horford, Otherworldly. Al, Al Horford is, you know, arguably the the defensive player of the year here in the early quarter first quarter of the season and he matches up as we saw at the the Mecca game he matches up pretty damn well with Giannis right I mean there's no there are not many great guy great matchups guys who really you know just make tons of sense to defend Giannis um but man I mean what Giannis did tonight um you know how many times we saw him just size guys up uh who were sagging off him and just you know, usually going to his right, but you know he swung back and and went to the other side a couple times too. He, he yammed like two or three times with his left hand on guys. I mean, he was just—I mean, he left it on the—he I mean he he left it all on the court. You know, you wish he would had a little bit more in the tank defensively. He plays thirty-nine minutes tonight. Um, you know, again, could they have managed his minutes better, especially uh, and maybe end of third, beginning of fourth quarters? Um, in hindsight, yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, also you you're probably not in the game. Like, yeah I mean well it's one of those things right like I mean it was a
1: ticking time bomb like they, <laughs> they were trying to stay in the game and Giannis was the only guy that was going to do it but at the same time you knew it it had to run out at some point
0: right and you know look I mean it's it's frustrating because you look at what you know as you mentioned that lineup that that Brad Stevens runs out you know the Celtics can rest their guys uh and run with these random dudes and they can still stay afloat and at times expand their lead i mean you know and and tonight i mean you look at them they go 10 out of 22 from the line from the three-point line um the most impressive thing though 60 paint points tonight i'm Mm -hmm. not sure that's got to be at least close to the biggest number the bucks have allowed all season i'm not sure if it is um but bucks outscored by 26 in the paint tonight and that that, you don't see that no and they i mean they were plus 12 for mid-range but again like that's not how you want to make a living, right? Um, yeah. And they finished nine out of twenty-one from three. So ironically, we're just one three-pointer short of the Celtics because you know they eventually started shooting more, and the Celtics, you know, really didn't shoot many threes the last couple quarters. But um, but yeah, again, I mean, just frustrating to watch because um, you know it's not that the Bucks are like far and away more talented than the Celtics or something like that. I mean, the Bucks have Giannis, and then the Celtics have better depth, you know, than the yeah. Bucks? But they also just get more, you know. They they squeeze more out of these lineups that you don't think should be able to get by. Yep. And as you said, I mean, they Brad Stevens. I mean, he gets these guys to defend whoever's out there. You know, he seems to be able to get them to defend and, and play at a high level. And obviously, with the Bucks, we've talked about the starting five. I'm I'm sure that their numbers will take a hit tonight. We have talked about how good they have been. Um, the problem is the Bucks can't just throw out random guys and have yeah. it work right like pretty much everybody but the starters you know the this kind of starting permutations we've seen um have been you know negatives and and you know the starters kind of build you leads and then everybody else kind of whittles them away so um frustrating to watch um and you know one of the things i thought was really the thing that that really stuck out i mean what you know Kyrie scores 32 to 9 on 24 shots not like, you know, crazy efficient. Um, he doesn't get to the line a ton, four, four out of five from the free throw line, two out of four threes. So, you know, it's not like he's, he, you know, he does kill you with with difficult shots for much of the night, right? And, yeah. you know, we were talking about this before um, before we came on, but I, I don't know. I mean, on some level, I mean, you, it's interesting to compare it to like a team like the Blazers um, where, you know, we talked about, like, well, you, you know, you, you probably do want to try to get the ball out of Lillard and, and McCollum's hands. Um, but with the Celtics, it's almost like, I don't know. I mean, it's, kind of, it's It's sort of like a different version of, you know, the the discussion around, like, letting post-ups happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, on some level, not that you're going to just let Kyrie, like, annihilate guys one-on-one. Like, you obviously need to help at least a little bit, right? I mean, you can't just play him straight up the entire game. But, um, but on some level, you know, it does feel like you're probably better off forcing Kyrie to just be spectacular than, you know, basically letting the celtics play four or or, you know four on three basically right because they're good enough and especially with horford right like when you have a big guy Mm -hmm. especially when he's playing center you know horford tonight was terrific offensively 20 points nine boards eight assists um you know game high plus 21 Uh, you know again we talk about the plus minus being you know uh, deceptive oftentimes in one game sample tonight for horford that makes sense to me he's (laughs) he's so essential there and Kyrie was a plus zero Corford was a plus 21. Um, I think that underscores just how good he is, how much he means to them. And, um, you know, he defended Giannis honestly and gave him, you know, used every inch and fiber of his being to try to deny Giannis. But, um, you know, Giannis was just incredible. Just his ability to, to get to the rim time and time and time again. Um, he, uh, he again attacked, uh, Aaron Baines in particular, had a couple of, uh, Had a couple of like near posterizations that he got fouled on, and then had like a couple that were like not total posterizations, but (laughs) were dunked with Aaron Baines standing right there. So I think he had like two dunks on Aaron Baines tonight, which seems customary for him. But um but yeah, I I don't want to lose sight of how good Giannis was. And again, a frustrating night because you know he kind of had to force the issue a lot of times, the Bucks offense really kind of ground down and got stagnant and predictable for long stretches. Um, But Giannis being Giannis and, you know, obviously a couple other guys hitting some shots as well. um, Really, really, could have been enough offensively
1: yeah I mean you look at what Middleton I mean Middleton and Bledsoe essentially switched roles in the first and second half Middleton had 15 in the first half and like you said hit some tough shots but also was able to just get things going offensively Bledsoe couldn't do that in the first half he only has four points and then they kind of switch Middleton has four points in the second half Bledsoe has 14 and again as as we've kind of talked about like there's just a lot of talent with those guys offensively so um it's not necessarily a surprise when you see some of those starting units go out there and score but yeah it it just wasn't enough and a number of the things you underscore were stuff i I was thinking about touching on but you look at the henson versus horford uh matchup tonight it's significant 20 points 9 rebounds and 8 assists for horford zero points three rebounds an assist and a steal no blocks for Henson tonight um, and i mean you you just kind of can tell the difference between those two and like i said like it's i'm not uh, about trying to find a, a big man but if i'm trying to find a big man that's the type of big man i'm trying to find in Al Horford a guy that can dish out eight assists on a night and uh, you just kind of watched how everything worked like every cut the Celtics make like every every cut the Celtics make matters because they could, they actually have the guys that can deliver it. Like, Horford can find you with a nice little pocket pass. So I know there is a, one where he gets a catch-up near the top of the key, and then it's just an immediate dribble handoff, essentially, to Irving just blazing down the right side, and he just goes right in for a layup. And when you have that hub that sees everything that can be such an integral, integral part of your offense, I mean, it makes things really difficult on you defensively. Um, and I don't know. There's there's just a there's a lot to think about theoretically as you think about this Celtics team because like you said, Irving goes thirteen of twenty four, thirty two points, only has one assist. Horford has eight assists on the night, and Smart has seven assists on the night. So if you decide that you're gonna let or not let Irving go, but just say like, okay, whatever, like we're not gonna force the ball out of Irving's hands, like let him go. Does that turn into? a a 45-point night, but then... Horford doesn't have eight assists or Smart doesn't have seven assists, Like, does that make them stagnate more? Um, and and I, I think I'd I'd be interested to find that out because uh, I think a lot of the time last year, uh, the Celtics would kind of get into that situation where Isaiah Thomas would try to do everything by himself and he'd be incredible. Uh, but then late in games, maybe other guys wouldn't have as much flow, wouldn't be able to make plays, wouldn't be able to kind of get a good feel for things. And uh, I guess uh, you kind of... Uh, I think have to start asking that question against the Celtics team if that's the way uh, that you want to go. So that, that was certainly interesting to me. And uh, uh, man, it's just a, it's a tough one. And this one is going to be uh, the Bucks take 21 threes on the night, 15 in the second half. And like, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Bucks offense looked better in the second half. That guys were able to get a little bit more loose in the second half because, it seemed like all of a sudden Tony Snell was just putting up threes and Eric Bledsoe goes three for six from the three point line. Uh, and I think one or two or forced. but again, like there is, I mean, I think there's certainly anecdotal evidence. I think there's tangible evidence uh, when you look around the NBA and look at three point attempt rate, like that helps out an offense. And uh, this Bucks team has struggled to do that kind of since Eric Bledsoe's gotten to town. And again, that, Corresponds with Mirza Tlatovich also being out, and you missing out on five three-point attempts per game. But uh, you look on, you look on the Bucks, and there's just not the, those consistent threats. And um, I don't know. There, there's there's a lot to kind of be frustrated about and question uh, after this game. I think it all starts with the defense, but uh, after that, it was just kind of Giannis willing the Bucks into this game. And uh, I mean, like you said, you you just ha- have to appreciate how incredible he is, but then also be frustrated that the Bucks can't find ways to get more out of their bench. They they haven't been able to find depth in the roster. Like they play nine players tonight. Thalmaker plays eight, struggles over oh, oh four on the night, and then Liggins plays twelve, and Jason Terry plays thirteen. And Malcolm Brogdon plays thirty-two. Like there's not guys on the bench that are eating up minutes, so uh, that's that's a roster problem as well. So so there's just a a lot there. And being, I mean, it just didn't work out tonight. And you can kind of see the difference between a team that is among the most well-coached teams in the league with Brad Stevens and and a team that does have uh, the depth that the Celtics have. You can just see those differences. And, And then as I say, the final thing is. With Henson in that matchup against Horford, he he certainly struggled tonight, but he struggled in a spot that he's been good this year because the Celtics kept making him make decisions in that kind of in-between space where it would be, okay, do you take a hook shot? Do you make the pass to Giannis? Like, what do you do? And Al Horford is obviously a great defender, so he he was kind of making those decisions very difficult on Henson. And in the earlier part of the season, we saw him make those plays confidently, catch quick hook and that was it and tonight there was a decision with henson he was trying to figure out exactly what he should do and he ended up struggling so um i think overall a lot of good stuff from the celtics and not so much good stuff from the bucks
0: no and i think what now we've had three 40 point games from Giannis. i think what two 40 point games from chris yep is that right chris had two um the bucks have won two of those games um, they win the barely win the Blazers game where Giannis goes for 44. They barely win, uh, the game I guess in Phoenix, right? That was you know, that was Chris's second 40 point night. Yeah, so kind of goes to show. I mean, this team, and I don't, you know, and honestly, like that's not necessarily like a crazy thing that that a team would not necessarily. Um, but sometimes you know not automatically win when a guy scores a ton of points yeah. a lot of times that means that other guys are not as involved that guy's having to kind of carry the load in a way that isn't always productive you know i think yeah. a lot of times a team scores like 125 points and you think oh my favorite player must have scored a bunch of points and you look in the box score and it's like you know nope, wait everyone's average yeah it's everybody scores um and it just kind of adds up and this was one of those games where <laughs> it was definitely one of the well oh if you told me you were going to get, you know, 77 points on, what, 46 shots from, or 44, sorry, uh, 44 shots from Giannis, Chris, and Bledsoe, yeah. you feel damn good about your chances yeah. tonight. But uh, again, you know, Bucks get 17 assists on 35 made field goals. Um, that's been kind of a theme
1: mm-hmm.
0: for a little while now, as good as Bledsoe has been. Um, perhaps in part because uh, with the bench, you know, we've been seeing the bench has been let's just say you know lots more deandre deandre ligands uh and guys that are not going to be dynamic scorers guys who are not really doing you know useful things with the ball on offense um it, it seems like it has been more of a slog um to to score we've seen fewer three-pointers and obviously three-pointers tend to be assisted shots so i don't know i mean I, as much as obviously we are uh Passport holders to the Toledovich archipelago. Um, I'm I'm not saying that, like, oh, if Toledovich was around, then none of these problems would exist. But um, certainly you would be shooting more threes, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, you'd be seeing more assists because of those, you know, Mirza's pretty much every shot Mirza takes is assisted because, you know, all his threes are are catch and shoot. So um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see because I think as well – I think Mirza does give you a little bit different dimension too if if you try to play small, right? Because yeah. I think I think you can you can probably play smaller with Mirza just because again he's not like a rim protector, obviously, but he can at least he's at least a bigger body um, that you can throw if, if the other team has you know somebody who's a decent sized player on the court and then on the other side stretch them out around Giannis. So I don't know. I mean, that hasn't really been something that the Bucks have you know been really successful with this season. It'll be interesting to see. Um, what the Bucks, you know, how the Bucks small ball uh, stats look after this game. I mean, it, probably they just sort of, you know, tread water tonight more or less on that. They didn't, you know, didn't inspire them to come back and obviously, you know, win the game or get like really close at the end. But, you know, they also just sort of, you know, kept it respectable. And for that, you know, I give them credit, right? I mean, they could have... <clears throat> you know, they could have been kind of wiped out um, by the f- bad first half, and you know, looked like things were going to get out of hand quickly early in the third quarter, but um, you know, they, they kept working at it, you know, Giannis seemed to kind of take it personally, try to bring the team back, but so obviously played better in the second half, um, but obviously you know, defensively, they got smoked and I think, I guess the positive is that they got smoked doing the thing that we always say is the bad thing <laughs> and the dumb thing Yeah. and then when they stopped doing that quite as obviously, like they at least were able to get back in the game. Not that the defense was great after the first quarter or first half. Um, So I don't know, but like, do you trust the coaching staff to actually like do smart things consistently? No, obviously at this point, like, no, that's that we don't trust them to do that. So, um, so who knows, right? We'll see on Wednesday against Detroit uh, again, another measuring stick game. They obviously didn't, didn't measure up tonight. Not that, not that you expected a win, um, but obviously it, you felt like the Bucks shortchanged themselves, especially early on with the way that they, you know, came out and just played into the Celtics' hands and, um, you know, offensively and defensively to a large extent, right? I mean, just some of the shots they were settling for offensively um, in addition to the defense, which we've now bludgeoned to death in this discussion. So hopefully on Wednesday, I mean, they're going to need better play from their centers for sure. Um we'll see how it goes. And, um, obviously the Pistons are a team that they're looking up at in, in the East standings. And, um, you know, this Pistons also are a team that has hit a ton of threes on in, against them in at least one game this season. So, uh, that game, they actually won strangely enough, but, um, obviously going back home, you hope that they can, can turn things around and turn the page on what was, you know, I don't even know how to describe a frustrating night, you know, I mean, yeah. obviously you, you know, as, as a fan of Giannis, uh, I I love seeing him just show how unstoppable he is against a, a great defense and a great defender in Al Horford, but um you know obviously it's it's pretty bittersweet when when, you know, especially for Giannis, a guy who wants to win so badly, pretty bittersweet to do it uh in circumstances like this.
1: Yeah. Um that it's it's pretty brutal stuff. And you said uh, something about getting more out of the centers. I would start with more minutes out of the centers. It'd be nice if they played more than twenty nine. Um, and again, I'm I'm always a proponent for small ball basketball and getting some more of those looks. But if you literally can't play those two more than twenty nine minutes, like, that's it's a problem. Um, so uh, I don't know, man. And every, every you gotta
0: you got to rest Giannis at some point, right? Like that. Correct. Not just not just playing small with Giannis at center, but then playing him like. You know, whatever it was, 18, 19 straight minutes. I mean, that's what's killer. And that's why, you know, you don't get the results from what you want, right? So, can and you it, find ways to get him, a, you know, get Giannis a blow and, and see what it works? But obviously, right now, I mean, Thon, I mean, just their games where Thon looks pretty hopeless. And, yeah. you know, tonight, Henson also looked pretty hopeless, which uh, puts you in a tough spot.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I mentioned this during the game, but it was nice. Okay. So, Giannis plays the first 19 minutes of the second half. Five minutes left. He comes out, and the answer is to go to Middleton at center. And he had already played, I think, thirty. Let's see, thirty-six minutes at that point. So you lock Chris Middleton into a forty-one point or a forty-one minute game with 2 minutes of him at center like giving those two guys all the minutes at center in the fourth quarter i mean they they already played 39 minutes and 41 minutes respectively and then on top of that you're asking them to take an even bigger beating an even larger toll on their bodies so i mean i think pretty impressive stuff from both those guys to actually be able to do that and be relatively effective throughout the entire night but uh this Bucks team has to figure out what's going on with the bench i and i understand that injuries have kind of ravaged that and that you don't have delhi as much as people may not like delhi i think at this point Matthew Dellavedova is a welcome sight, uh, so you don't have to see twelve minutes of DeAndre Liggins, thirteen minutes of Jason Terry. I think th- at this point, maybe Liggins' defensive effect has has worn off a little bit at this point, or maybe it's just because he's not hitting as many shots or taking as many shots. Whatever it may be, I think you'd happily have Dellavedova take those minutes over, and uh, obviously, I, n- no, I, I don't, no, really. That is shocking to me.
0: I mean, I, I try to be realistic about my Jason Terry homerism. Um, I don't want Jason Terry playing 20 minutes. Um, but, man, just watching, like, Delly just think he has to, like... Not not that Delly like, wants to take shots, but, like, he feels this, like, obligation, like he has to dribble the ball around and get the Bucks into their sets and whatever. And so much of the time, I'm just like, dude, like... It's not about you. Just go set screens.
1: So, <laughs> so yes, that is infuriating. Um,
0: I mean, this is this what, what do you, How the, do you feel about what, the this is, Well, this is the this is what's so frustrating, right? Is that you know, and, and not that we sh- should have expected one of these younger players on the bench to like suddenly become you know the Bucks equivalent of. Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum I mean obviously the 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 pedigree of the guys the Bucks have on the bench in terms of the young guys like DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown and Rashad Vaughn I mean clearly they're not that good um but I mean you look at the Celtics right and and again not to make everything about the Celtics but you know Semi Ojale was a second round pick played with Sterling Brown at at SMU has not set the world on fire offensively in in boston but he's found a role he's defended at a high level and you know they made it work and and they've been able to play him you know reasonable minutes i mean the celtics have played i mean shane larkin and abdul nader have gotten minutes for the Mm -hmm. celtics this year i mean you know like they, they figure out ways to get these guys some time and the upside of that is not only do you like you know you can get away with getting these guys some minutes and and resting some of your other guys but you know that helps i mean you kind of figure out what these guys are you get them some time i mean I don't know if Sterling Brown could be a decent NBA player. I don't know if, I mean, DJ Wilson, I'm probably, probably less optimistic about being a, a helpful NBA player this season. Um, But like, I don't even in Rashad Vaughn, obviously like I'm, I'm pretty much given up on, but, but like, you know, it's just the fact that like that you, all these young guys you're, you're picking and then they just end up on the bench and, you know, clearly they don't do enough to win Jason Kidd over. And, it's it's unfortunate i mean i I don't you know again that i'm not going to say is just like purely jason kidd's fault because if these guys you know aren't good picks or you know were reaches or whatever then you know maybe we'll we'll, we may very well look back and say those they just were bad picks and they're just never going to be nba players but um but man it would be really nice if you could have figured out a way to get something out of those guys especially like man if sterling brown I, i had hopes that maybe sterling brown could take over the Jet role from last year. And again, not that he'd be like a world beater, but like like we were saying, like DeAndre friggin' Liggins is getting minutes. Jet is getting minutes, you know? Deli is going to get minutes when he comes back. The bar is not that high. And you just wish that you could find somebody who, you know, like all those guys just have like such obvious flaws. And, and or just like on one end, they just like come with such compromises. It would be nice if, you know, man, if you could get like, and I keep coming back to Sterling Brown, but you know, whoever, like if you could have found some younger piece that again, it doesn't have to be like a guy who's going to be a future starter or whatever, but you know, it's just somebody who can give you some nice minutes off the bench. And, you know, we've already had our one Rashad Vaughn game where he hits a bunch of threes and offers some slight hope. So that, that has already been, that check has been cashed this season since he gets only one of those a year usually. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's unfortunate because you look at that bench and it's like, well, hopefully Mirza comes back in a couple weeks and, Hopefully Delhi
1: comes back. And, I, I I'm know. taken aback by how far out you are on Delhi. Yeah. Like these I'm bench units bad. look like trash, Frank. There's no creation and Malcolm has no, to what, like
0: what is, is Delhi doing? Like, I mean, you've got okay, so any
1: any to any unit. He can on dribble the, the basketball. He's not DeAndre Liggins. Well, like well, yeah, but, those but are good things that can help out an offense. Our, our, like I, our, I like I understand we hit, know, we don't like Delhi. Nope.
0: You know we're in trouble when we're we're using Delhi as an argument for getting making the offense better, but um yeah I mean that's a, the thing that frustrates me is though is that at worst you've got Brogdon and Middleton on the court right yeah and and so it's frustrating because right? I mean I realize you know, we talked about it the other night like if the other guys on the court are Thon and Liggins and freaking whoever that <sighs> that makes all right Chris the, and Malcolm <laughs> yeah that makes the degree of difficulty a lot harder personally I. would I've been trying to think, and I, I haven't looked any of the data up by this, but like intuitively, I kind of wish you could maybe put Bledsoe
1: mm-hmm.
0: stagger Bledsoe with Middleton more. And I know everybody's like obsessed with like Bledsoe, Giannis pick and rolls and stuff, but I kind of would rather Agreed. see if if maybe you could get Bledsoe out there with Middleton more. Just I mean, because, there's there's just
1: some dynamism there, like with yeah. Mid, with Middleton and Brogdon. Like the thing we know that those two guys. Might not be the best at is being the primary playmaker, and when you play them together, and Bledsoe and Giannis together, like Bledsoe and Giannis are like game changers. Those are those are guys that can just totally flip the switch, get to the basket when they want, and just totally change the dynamic on the floor. And for as good as I think both Malcolm and Chris are, they they can't do that. And I I would agree intuitively; those two are getting paired together, and Giannis and Bledsoe are getting paired
0: together. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? Like. You you think of it as like, okay, well, now that Giannis is off the court, who who can you like run the offense through and who yeah. is going to have gravity and make the defense bend and all those things? I mean, Chris Middleton doesn't bend, you know, any defense, right? No. Unless, I mean, it's a mistake. We've talked about it. if if they double him in the post, I mean, that's stupid. Like, just let Chris take turnaround jumpers if you're smart. Yeah. Um and, and not to take away from Chris being a good player, but he's, he is has, to, he does have to be a more of a flow player and, and he can force stuff up at times and hit shots. And he did that a little bit tonight. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, Malcolm, you know, I love it when he does his little thing where he kind of sneaks along the baseline and dribbles around and then does his like reverse layups where he kind of sneaks up on guys mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. But, um, but like you don't, clear out and have them do that right
1: and, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. not gonna be the base of your offense like exactly. all right we're gonna have malcolm go baseline here and try to get a reverse layup like no that doesn't work
0: yeah so i don't know we'll, we'll see I, i'll i now i'm kind of curious i want to go look at the data a little bit just to see if there's anything i mean again it's it's not that we have a, a huge sample on that but um but you, you do kind of wonder i mean obviously aside from the starting group like the rest of the lineups are are not clicking in the way you want them to, in spite of the fact that, you know, they're now what eight and four since Bledsoe arrived, but um, there's still obviously work, work that can be done. And um, I guess we'll just kind of see how (sighs) we will see how things continue to evolve. It's what do we have? We're, we're now 22 games into the season. So um, the, the, the bucks, the, the 500 mark exerting its gravitational pull on the bucks as it so often does tonight, pulling them back, uh, to two games over 500, and um, obviously they they need to take care of some business this week.
1: This is a step forward, though. They got three over 500. That that was uh, <laughs> that was a struggle all of last year. Uh, but, we'll yeah. always
0: have 12 and nine. <laughs> Jason Kid. If the Bucks go 42 and 40 again, Jason Kidd in his exit interview with with ownership and John Horst will say, "Hey, 12, 12 and, and nine. nine. Remember that? 12 and nine. It was good. We were having fun. <laughs> we kind of looked like we were changing some things up." defense was suffocating people were pretty excited not like getting like just torched by like basic you know skip passes things like that yeah anyway.
1: all right uh that's enough for tonight uh we've yeah. yelled at each other more than i would have would have expected tonight I, th- <laughs> I feel like it would have been just sorrow uh in just total well, despair it's
0: kind of, it's kind of funny because i was thinking about this like earlier it's like weird when you when you do a daily podcast with a person like eric I talk to you more than any other person other than my wife. Yeah. Think about how that is, it's right? Strange. Like, it's, like it's strange. It's very strange. strange. Like, we talk all the goddamn time, and we always talk about the Milwaukee. Not <laughs> that we don't talk about other things sometimes, like, especially <laughs> off off when we're not recording. But, yeah. um, I, man, we, we are... I, it, we, we must like each other because to, to, be able to, <laughs> to put this, up with
1: you for this long, Frank,
0: exactly. There's some sort of like psychologist slash patient type thing that we do for each other. Oh my well. Frank, the could you, method.
1: could you imagine that like sociology, like study or like, psychology study of like w- the relationship of podcasters and how they become like support systems for one another or something like I feel like that could be really interesting um if someone if someone needs a grant or something like I'll sign up I'll be a part of the podcast study uh, I,
0: I'm amazed I'm I mean there's um so um by the way did you know that my wife is a Houston Rockets fan I did I, not know
1: first time. I don't know first um, time here I
0: think, yeah I think I think Dan Schaefer may be aware of that but um <laughs> So, uh, locked on rockets. Um, ben, who who does that? Ben Dubose uh, does locked on rockets, and I mean, I don't listen to it every day, but I'm pretty sure he he like is always by himself. Like he like scripts these things out. Oh like,
1: yeah, no, there's a bunch of guys that do this by themselves. Yeah, I don't know how they do yeah. it.
0: And I'm just like, wow. And I've I mean, I've done a couple solo pods when you haven't been able to podcast, Same. and it, it's hard because like you have to actually like plan out what you're going to say and not just riff off the other person yeah um but yeah i mean if like you were talking i mean it- talking about the houston rockets winning like a billion straight games that might be okay but if you're trying to you know podcast by yourself about the milwaukee bucks every Oof. goddamn day oh my god i mean you'd be even more insane than we are already
1: <laughs> um yeah it, it, i don't even know how you do it i was just trying to come just contemplate doing that every day talking about the Milwaukee box by myself it would be brutal we need each other (laughs) uh that's why that's why I'm amazed
0: like shout out to Ted Davis for you know when he's on the road yeah broadcasting games by himself like I'm that's that's just damn impressive um I I, yeah I'm I'm just I'm I'm impressive like that that's a that is a real like that is such a difficult skill and uh I don't know. By the way, did you? Watch, I I was pissed because first off, NBA TV games are the worst because either you're getting you know the local feed, which mm-hmm. it seems like lately we, we've been watching Bucks games on NBA TV that have been away games, so we get the away team's feed, like the Portland game last week, or it's players only night, which is just oh, awful. Oh, That night. is bad. I hate it. Um. So NBA. T- whenever I hear it's an NBA TV game, I always just like want to ram my face through like a window. <laughs>
1: It's, so for me, it sad. never bothers me. I'm in market, so I can always watch exactly. on you FS Wisconsin. Watch,
0: you can always watch FS Wisconsin. And fortunately, I'm on DirecTV this year, which always gives you multiple, like both
1: both mm, yeah.
0: channels on League Pass. So I can now watch the Bucks feed whenever I want, as long as it's not a national game. But tonight, um, unfortunately, it was NBA TV. And not just NBA TV, a Celtics home game. So I had to listen to uh, Tommy. Adam, Tommy Heinsohn. Uh. Um, although I will say this. Thankfully, Tommy very much acknowledges the greatness of Giannis, so That's at least good. he's not like bitter about Giannis or whatever um but i was gonna ask i was especially bummed because i was curious to hear steve novak call the game with jim paschke and i don't know if you had any thoughts i did hear that he had an excellent opening riff um that our friend <laughs> at bro hoop tweeted out but he had an, uh, an excellent opening dig uh on jim paschke which i don't know if you want to repeated yeah, yeah no
1: he had said something to the effect of he felt prepared because he had been watching Jim Pashkey call games since he was three years old and <laughs> Pashke just kind of like smiles like all right <laughs> 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 so that was pretty good um I thought he was pretty good tonight uh he's not Marcus good yet um but again I don't know Marcus I I we're so spoiled with Marcus. Cause he's so good, but also
0: Emmy, Emmy award winning broadcaster, Marcus, Correct. shout out to Marcus winning an Emmy. Our friend, Matthew Curley pointed that out to, so big congrats to Marcus.
1: But then on top of that, like Marcus had done games before coming oh, yeah. to Milwaukee. Yeah. Like he had, he'd had been doing this for years. So it wasn't that you were getting a rookie Marcus Johnson kind of trying to figure things out. Like he already had done this. He knew what he was doing and he just kind of hit the gr- ground running last year. And obviously he, he's been very good. So, uh, Steve, I think Steve will find his way, and it, it all depends kind of how many games he ends up getting. And, uh, I know we've heard some complaints recently. I know my brother sent me a text that Johnny Mack is suffering a little bit, and, and he's gone past his, uh, Maybe may,
0: maybe expiration. Maybe
1: a little <laughs> bit past the the moment that he should be broadcasting a basketball game. Uh, just because you know he he's always been a fun homer. I I, I enjoy it, but you know. It can be a little bit too much, so we'll see. Maybe maybe Novak steps right in there. Um, other things I want to recommend as good. Uh, the last couple games, I've done uh, some themes for the gifts that I send out during games. Uh, the other night, it, it was Portlandia because uh, they were playing the Portland Trailblazers. Go watch Portlandia. I think it's very funny. Uh, tonight, it was what up with that gifts. Um, and if you don't know what, what up with that is, go fall down that YouTube rabbit hole. It's a skit on SNL, and it is fantastic. Kenan Thompson you know is hilarious.
0: I, I tried to find a GIF of Andy Samberg dressed up as John Stockton. <laughs> uh, Cause he did make a random appearance as John Stockton in one of those sketches, but I was very disappointed not to find a gif (laughs) of him dribbling around with a John Stockton really tight Jersey. Uh, on. so that was, that was unfortunate.
1: Okay. So go now, if that piqued your interest, go check out Andy Samberg (laughs) as John Stockton in a what up with that sketch. Uh, that's going to be it for us. Uh, Thank you for coming along for the last five or so minutes as we just rambled on about things that help us from going crazy watching Bucks basketball. They lose tonight 111-100 to the Boston Celtics, fall to 12-10 on the season. Giannis with 40 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists on the night, just 24 shots. So he gets to the line 14 times, makes 12 of those. Uh, Chris Middleton, 19 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Eric Bledsoe, 18 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. Um You know what? I'm going to go through all the scores. Tony Snell, 11 points, 3 of 4 from the (laughs) three-point line. That was what I was getting at. Malcolm Brogdon, 10 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds. Uh, And then Jason Terry with 2 points. Six scores for the Milwaukee Bucks tonight. Not uh, a great night for the depth and the bench of the Milwaukee Bucks. That is going to be it for Lockdown Bucks for today. That was Frank. I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks, and we will talk to you tomorrow.